Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon titled, Jesus Hears You, from 1 John chapter 5. Eternal life is not solely about what happens after death. It begins in the present, as you journey through everyday life with Jesus. However, to experience this internal life, it's crucial to slow down and intentionally recognize and embrace it. It all starts with prayer, a trusting connection with Jesus, who attentively listens to your fears and desires. Surrender the outcomes to Him and ask Jesus to align your desires with His heart, plan, and timing. Rest assured, Jesus is attentive and loves you unconditionally. His plan and timing are designed to bring you abundant joy and the very best for your life. Trusting Jesus necessitates shifting from self-reliance to seeking His assistance. I'm so glad you guys are here. Uh, I had the honor last summer on the 4th of July of baptizing an entire family in a pool in Fresno, and then they watch online. And uh, I said hello to their little girls last week. This week, the dad, Jake, uh, is turning 57 years old. And uh, he's actually 44, but he looks 57. Uh, So Jake, happy birthday. We love you. Uh, So... Uh, Let me introduce you to our church in case you're new. Uh, Number one, we believe that there is always hope beyond our brokenness, always. doesn't matter what your story is. uh, All of us have a story of being lost, and with Jesus, we get found. And that takes time as you take risks to let God find and love the lost places of your heart. That takes courage, it takes vulnerability, and that's what we're trying to do here as a church. Um, So we try our best not to perform. Uh, And the goal is for us to be honest, because it doesn't matter uh, what I did in 1979 at Sever Camp, uh, it matters this week how I let Jesus into my life and how I'm letting you into my life. Second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior, and He is alive. Right? He's alive here. And to trust him is to believe. It's to put the weight of your soul and your decisions in his hands. It's to let him dictate your priorities and your goals and your dreams. It's to let him reshape and reform your loves. It's to allow him to turn off your car alarm in the parking lot right now. That's what it looks like to trust Jesus. Amen? Finally, we get to bring restoration. So last week, you gave change for a dollar. And every single week, it's like $800 or $900 that each service is giving. It's crazy. It's absolutely beautiful. And so uh, we have people gave it away last week. They're going to tell the story next week. We can't wait for them to hear it. But so that's we bring restoration where we are. Yesterday, we gave away over $6,000 in food to families in Guadalupe. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. I, 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 all, these, all these moms are trying to carry 75-pound boxes full of food. And so all of us are like, you know, we're, we're helping them. It was just a blast. So that's what we do. We bring restoration right now where we are. And so what a joy it is uh, to do that with you. Each one of these truths has a choice, right? Faith doesn't happen by accident. You actually have to choose it. And that, that word, I choose... It weighs 10,000 pounds in your life. And so we choose daily, every day, to follow Jesus. So let's choose again together today. 
We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. And I choose to join Jesus. Amen. So, can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts this day? And like always, as your pastor, I get dragged through the passage. Um, So I'm not going to share what happened with you last week uh, uh, because I want to. It's because I have to. And so I'm going to share with you what I'm learning about my own heart through this passage. But somehow we've managed to stretch um, an 11-page book into 17 weeks. And so, but this, we're landing the plane. And don't worry, 2 John is literally um, like 400 words, and 3 John is less. Uh, So we'll be doing that here in the weeks to come. Um, So today uh, brings us to John... The, the last bit of John is like the first bit of First John. Does that make sense? So how he opens is similar to how he closes. And the heartbeat of today's message is this, that God hears you. Jesus listens to you, fully focused on you. And your Holy Spirit life is talking to and listening to Jesus. That's where we're going today. I'm going to talk to you about twists and turns of what it looks like when other people listen or don't. John's going to talk to us about that. He's going to talk to us. We're going to talk about what gets in the way of us listening to Jesus and also talking to Jesus. Um, But at the end, I want to encourage you. So that's where we're going today. In the early 1980s, uh, researchers interviewed uh, teenage uh, girls who had been in horrible situations, horrible circumstances, and now found themselves uh, living and working on the streets in in San Francisco as prostitutes. And one researcher said to the girl, is there anything that you needed most and couldn't get that would have prevented you from being in the position you were today? And their response, invariably preceded by sadness and tears, was almost unanimous across this entire group of people. And they said something like this, what I needed most was someone to listen to me, someone who cared enough to listen to me. You need to know that Jesus cares enough to listen to you. We are people who practice telling Jesus everything because he's listening, hears you. We are people who practice telling each other the truths of our lives because We're learning how to listen to each other, not to fix, not to try and be Jesus to each other and do his job, but to really listen to another person and love. And then we bring them before Jesus and he does the saving. So will you listen with your heart and your mind and your soul today? So we're at 44 people now. But that's okay. That's honest. That's good. So, Jesus, help again. Anything opposed to Christ, we bind you and cast you out of this place and off of us now in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for the angels surrounding this place. Help us to hear you. Unplug our ears, Jesus. And anything that would prevent us from listening, we just quiet now in the name of Jesus. Are you really? Are you ready to read with me? Yes. Here we go. Last verses of First John. Here it is. First John five thirteen. 
John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So he starts his letter to his friends by saying, Jesus, who's from the beginning, who made all things, he is the one who gives us eternal life. Yes? Yes. Great. And he ends the letter by saying the exact same thing. Trusting Jesus leads to our present tense, abundant, and eternal life. Your eternal life starts right now. What do I, what do I mean by that? Um, well, you can trust Jesus now and have life in you or not and not have life in you. What, what do you want to do? I had a friend this week. Uh, trusted Jesus to provide a home, terrified about not having a home for their kids, overwhelmed with the logistics. My friend trusted Jesus. Jesus came through with a miracle. The opposite is also true. This week, I hurt someone I really care about because I wasn't trusting Jesus at all. all. How was I not trusting Jesus? Oh, uh, that's me racing forward. I like to describe it as being efficient. It's not (laughs) at all. I'm so efficient, I have to clean up messes, which take three times as long as actually doing the thing. So when I rush and race forward and make it happen, trying so hard to do Jesus' job, not praying, not going slow enough to even listen to Jesus or the words coming out of my friend's mouth, what's the end result? It's not life, it's pain. That's the end result. So John says, trusting Jesus leads to our eternal life, which starts right now. Well, how do you do that? Well, you start by talking to him about everything. John explains why. So let's break this next verse down phrase by phrase. Verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. He hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will. Now, I'm an expert at saying, Jesus, my will must be your will, right? I mean, you agree with me. I I know what I'm doing. I know what's right for my life. But no, I have to put part of growing in your relationship with Jesus is allowing that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, to actually translate into your life with something like this. If you want to pray this with me, you can. You ready? I am not Jesus. And Jesus' heart for me, his plan to bless me, and his timing... It's way better than mine. It didn't stick with some of you. You want to do it again? Okay, let's pray it again. I am not Jesus. And Jesus' heart for me, his plan to bless me, and his timing, it's way better than mine. 
Trusting Jesus starts with talking. Why? Because he hears you. Tell him what you're scared about. Tell him what you want. Then surrender the outcomes. Just because you tell him, he's not your cosmic butler. You tell him so that you can tell him. And it's an act of trust saying, you figure it out. You know better than I do. Ask him to change your desires and your plans so that lines up with his timing and his will and his outcomes. Right? Just because your three-year-old wants to stick a fork in the electrical outlet doesn't mean that their desire, their will, and their timing is your, is, should be prior, prioritized in their life, yeah? God's going to tell you no on things that we're going to shock the snot out of you. <laughs> be confident. Jesus is listening. It doesn't matter how long you've not prayed for. It doesn't matter how short or long your prayers are. It doesn't matter how much doubt you have or how soon you just sinned. God is always listening to you. He adores you. And his timing and his plan is for your absolute joy and your very, very, very best. Now, we all have wounds. I've been burned and betrayed so many times that I have a hard time trusting. And so I like to pray, my kingdom come and my will be done because I'm in charge of that. And it feels somehow safer, even though it never works out the way that I want it to. This week, I realized that a lot of my prayers have me not relying on anyone else, including God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been hurt by someone or a series of someones in your life to where you just say, you know what, I'm not gonna rely on anybody anymore? You know that when you make that vow, that also includes Jesus? So I had to pray this prayer. I had to renounce this vow this week. Jesus, I renounce the vow that I will never rely on anyone, including you, and I'm sorry. And I take back my trust, and I take back my faith, and reliance on you and the trustworthy people you've placed in my life. You want to pray that prayer with me? You ready to do some work this morning? See, you're never going to know that Jesus actually hears you unless you're willing to rely on him. You're never going to trust that, that your prayers matter unless you're actually willing to wait and rely on him and allow other people to be part of the answer to those prayers. Let's pray together. Jesus, I renounce the vow that I will never rely on anyone, including you. I'm sorry. I take back my trust. I take back my faith and reliance on you and the trustworthy people you've placed in my life. Woo, we're doing work here today. Be confident. When you speak to Jesus and rely on him, he's paying attention to you. Jesus is never distracted. It's not like when you're watching TV or on your phone and your spouse or your child or your friend says something to you and you catch every fourth word and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, what? Oh, please, you do that. Let's not pretend that you don't. 
Jesus is all ears, fully present. Jesus is listening. So start your journey of trusting Jesus by talking to him. Now, here's important. When you're, when you're praying and you're talking to him, you can be specific. You can tell him all the things, right? You can use all the words. Or you can just surrender a person or a situation and just picture that person or that image or that situation and go, God, I have no idea what to do with this. I give it to you. Even your groans, Jesus perfectly understands. You, you're, when you're praying and you're talking to Jesus, you don't have to give Jesus every single detail because he don't know. If you need to get it out, get it out. But you don't have to micromanage him. Be like, I didn't pray for Jesus to help me sleep last night. That's why I didn't sleep. I, what if I don't? Jesus, help me wake up in the morning. Jesus, help, help my heart beat. Keep on going. <gasps> and now, you, can't, you don't have to micromanage God, okay? Got it? It's not like you're sending your husband to the grocery store knowing that even if you write down the list, he's going to come back with 40 pounds of meat that you won't eat till 2024, okay? Like Jesus is listening. He knows what you need. He knows what you want. He loves you. So pray with all the words. Pray with just a few. It doesn't matter. Just be confident that you can be completely vulnerable with him, and he's listening to every word. So the verse says, if we pray according to his will, he hears. Well, there's a little sticky wicket in there. What's his will? Well, that's pretty simple. Ask God's will to be done in your family and in your heart. Ask for his kingdom to come where you live and where you work. Ask for help in your best attempts to love others well, and he'll answer that prayer. You can be confident of that. Thus, John writes in verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. When you're interested in doing God, what God wants, when you're willing to surrender and not control other people's free will or God's timing, when you're willing to love so that it costs you for their sake and benefits them, even when they're a twit, 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 you can be confident because God hears your prayers and will answer them. Does that make sense? It, this, God, this is not a slot machine formula. This is a, are you willing to surrender your life to what he wants for you? And we always know. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Forgive one another, love one another, bless one another, help one another. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. God, I want you to increase, not me. Show me how I can be of service and love other people, right? Now, here's the thing that's difficult. 
all of us are going to have people in our lives, and sometimes we're going to be that person, where the people in our lives are not listening to God at all. They mess up. They hurt us. They sin. They are selfish. They're angry. They're whatever, okay? And you're going to need to believe that God hears you and loves you and is paying attention to you when you're dealing with those people in your life. Does that make sense? And this is why John starts the last part of his chapter saying, God listens to you. In Jesus, there's life. Because here comes these people that are going to break your heart in some way, shape, or another. Here comes these people that are going to cause you pain because they're broken people. All of us are broken. Just look at the person next to you. They're broken. Right? So are you. We're, we're going to hurt people in our lives. That's, that's life. Okay? But we're going to need to trust Jesus and really believe that he hears us and that he cares about us if we're going to do what John says to do next. So here's verse 16. Ready? If anyone sees his brother or sister committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give them life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. What does this mean? What is life? Who is life? Sunday school answer. Starts with a J, ends with an S. What is life? Who, who brings life? Jesus. Jesus. So the sin that leads to death is therefore the person that, or when you completely reject Jesus. When you say, I don't want him in my life. I don't want Jesus in my life. I don't want to do what Jesus wants me to do. I don't want to pray. I don't want to trust. I'm done. That's the sin that leads to death. Does that make sense? All kind of crazy church people all throughout the years would be like, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's eating processed cheese. That's the sin that leads to death. No, no, it's taking Lord in his name in vain. No, no, it's watching rated R movies. No, no, it's listening to non-Christian music. No, 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 no. It's, it's not showing up to church 50 weeks out of the year. Uh, no. Jesus is life, therefore death is not Jesus. The context is clear. So John is super clear in 1 John 1, 8 and 9. All of us sin, all of us mess up, yeah? Anybody here without sin? We'll make a lot of money if you are. <laughs> Write that book. I'll be your co-author. Mm-mm, 10%. Um, so as I'm repenting and confessing and being forgiven, what should you do? If you see me sinning and I'm confessing and repenting, what should you do for me? Pray. That's what you should do. Now, I stink at this. Um, why? Because I'm very prideful. And I want to do Jesus' job. Um, not, not with everybody, just with specific people, like people in my family or close to me, right? And what I want to do is I want to manage them. So instead of praying for someone, they, now they know they're messing up. They've been confronted that they're messing up. So instead of praying for them, what I want to do is that I want to control them so they either stop doing what they, I don't like that they're doing or start doing what I want them to be doing. 
and I'm trying to play God. I move too fast. I want to rescue them. I want to make sure that they don't fail again. So my sin then is that I want to be the one who gives people life. Yeah, I'm not arrogant. Can anybody relate with me on that one? If you're a parent, you better raise your hand. Please. I mean, God is literally the only one who can give us life. Now, I'm not saying that you don't say anything as a parent to your kids when they're messing up. What I'm saying is, is that when, when you're seeing someone who's struggling, the person who's going to give them life is Jesus, not you. And John's getting at this deeper truth. What they really need is more of Jesus, not more of you fixing them. So pray for them. Because if you don't believe that God hears you, then you won't pray for them, you'll fix them. How does that work out? No, when you're trying to pour life into them, all they'll experience is being waterboarded. Right? People are not geese that you make foie gras with where you shove the food down their throat. It don't work. Make sense? Jesus is the one who's going to give them life. So you pray for their faith, and you pray for their heart, and you love them well, and you trust that God is going to do what God has done with you, which is will bring them back to life. It doesn't mean that you stop talking to them. It doesn't mean that you don't tell the truth to them in love. It doesn't mean that you back away from them. It just means that when you're talking to them, you're not trying to do Jesus' job because you trust that he hears you and that he loves them more than you love them. Yes, Andy, but I've been praying for them for decades now, and they're still not coming to church, and they're still not figuring it out, and they're even sitting right next to me, but they haven't changed. Then what? John has some sobering words. You ready? Here it is. There is sin that leads to death. And I do not say that one should pray for that. Wow. John says, there's a sin that leads to death. Yeah, when you reject Jesus. And he's like, I don't, I don't recommend praying the same way that you normally pray for that one. Look, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Meaning that... Meaning that We sin, we mess up, but that doesn't mean that our faith is lost. It just means that for a moment, we've lost our minds. Yeah? We've fallen back into the old behavior patterns and ruts in our life. And when we wake up by the power of the Holy Spirit to your sin, then all of a sudden, we go, man, I don't want to do that anymore. But what about people who've completely walked away from their faith. What do we do with them? Do we pray for God's will in their life? Do we pray for God to bring them back to life? And what John is saying is there has to come a time when you allow people to make their free will choice even if it leads to their death. And you allow them that choice because they get it just like you do. Everybody gets their free will choice. 
John is helping us understand our limits and also the power of our choice. I can live apart from the will of God, and you can pray for me all you want, and it doesn't change the fact that I can still choose to not follow Jesus. Does it make sense? And, and this is what God is trying to help you understand. Stop trying to manage and control other people's choices. Stop trying to get people to feel a particular way or to do a particular thing. Honor them and their free will choice because when you do, what you're doing is that you're honoring God and trusting that he's gonna give you life and and them life. Now, I've told you this story before, but it's worth telling again because it's just funny. It's 1942, President Roosevelt has been greeting all of these, having all of these state dinners for all of the allies for World War II, and he's just tired of them because people really aren't interested in actually meeting the president. They're actually just enamored with the fact that they're in the White House, like, ooh, ah, wonderful. And it's just hours and hours of receiving lines like once or twice a week for all these stupid state dinners that he has to. All he wants is a piece of fried chicken and just go to bed, but he can't do that. He, so... So it doesn't matter. So one, one time somebody said, how are you? He goes, I'm very tired. I just need to sit down. They said, oh, that's fantastic, wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. That's just wonderful. I'm just so happy to be here. And he's just, so he just kept on changing his answer to like, I just feel miserable and I hate being here. Like, oh, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. Finally, he got to the point at the end of the state dinner, this is with Bolivia, the country, that he's like, I murdered my mother-in-law. I had her killed. And people responded the same. Oh, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. It's just so nice to meet here. And so then he just kept on saying that throughout the, throughout the receiving line until finally the, who, the last person in the receiving line was the ambassador for, for uh, you know, Bolivia. And he says, how are you, sir? So nice to meet you, Mr. President. He goes, oh, I'm fantastic. I just had my mother-in-law killed. It's, no, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. And the ambassador pauses and leans him close and, and he says, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> The ambassador wasn't trying to change President Roosevelt's free will choice, just honoring for what it was. And you may think to yourself, that feels so scary. Like, it just feels so scary to let someone choose what they're going to choose and not try and helicopter and manage and yell and scream and demand and insist that they do it my way. It just feels so scary to let hands off. What do I do? Even if they've said no to Jesus and they're falling off a cliff, what do I do? Well, when you surrender them into God's hands, what does God do? Romans 1, if you insist on eating death, God will hand you over to it until what? You get sick to your stomach with it. How do you think you ended up here? Because at one point in your life, you just said, I can't stomach this anymore. Every human being will get to that place. Then what happens? Romans 2, God's anger leads to repentance. God's irritation leads to repentance. Oh, God's hyper control leads to repentance. God's steaming wrath leads to repentance. No, Romans 2 says God's kindness leads to repentance. It's not like your irritation and control with them is changing them for the better anyways. It's just hardening their heart. God's kindness leads to our repentance. 
so we can be kind as well. See, when you, listen, when you believe that God hears you, then your, your, prayer, your prayers start changing, but then also your interactions with each other start changing as well. Gratefulness and gentleness and kindness start coming in. Then when I see someone walk away, Jesus, sometimes I pray, this is my prayer, Jesus, please break the hardness of their hearts before they lose everything. Bring them back home before their death and save them. Verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. This is the coolest thing about when you start listening to Jesus is that your, your desires start changing, right? Your heart starts changing. And you know what? The thing that you used to eat, that you used to think was fantastic, that rebellion, that sin, that whatever, after a while, what does it taste like? It's no longer sweet and beautiful and attractive anymore. You know what it tastes like? Oh, uh, 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 uh. You know what I'm saying? You don't want that anymore in your life. And you know why? Because God's changed your heart. And you know what? The enemy can no longer tempt you with it because you're like, no thanks. Isn't that cool? But get ready. Like, wake up. Because if the enemy knows that he will lose if you get healed, then what do you think the enemy is going to do? Try harder to prevent you getting healed, to prevent you listening, to prevent you talking to God, to shut down your prayer life completely. Verse 19, but we know that we're from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So the enemy is going to try and convince you that you don't have a problem. That's not a sin. That's not a problem. You don't need to pray about that. Listen, don't get extreme here, right? You don't have to rely on God with everything, just the big things. Small things don't worry about. That's the devil calling somebody right now, saying, saying it's probably someone's kid. Mom, I'm in the parking lot. Hurry up. Right? Uh, the, the, sorry. The, the enemy, oh, I just made a connection there that wasn't, maybe that was Freudian. Um, Look, the, the enemy has blinded the whole world to what sin is. Does that make sense? And God's going to waken up and open up your eyes. So here, here's how I, I want to land the plane just because we're out of time. Uh, and we need to do communion, which is even better than what I'm going to preach. If you're going to listen to Jesus in the confidence that he actually hears you, you're going to talk to him in the confidence that he hears you, and then listen to him as he talks back. Here's how you start. You can have the courage to ask your spouse or a friend or a loved one this terrifying question. Next slide. Where am I messing up? Do you see any patterns or attitudes I need to change? I want to invite the worship team forward. We're going to need prayer coverage and worship team coverage for this. 
here's the thing. Here's the thing that I've realized uh, about how I've run my life um, this last week. This last week, uh, I've realized that I have just been full of anger all the time. Now, I forgive people, okay? I really do, because it's part of my life. It's part of my recovery. If, if I don't forgive people, I'm, I'm dead in the water. But you know what I do? I hold on to my anger. And this week, a friend was courageous enough to be just as angry with me as I am all the time to show me how big my anger is. Anger is like a fuel, it's a fire, it burns out, then we get exhausted and go to bed, and we're weary and we can't sleep even though we're in bed. Anger is a motivation, it's a, it's a way that we move forward and try and get things done, we move fast, and when you're angry all the time, then it's like having a hammer and then every problem looks like a nail, and you just hit it. I learned this week that to be grateful, to be grateful is the antidote to my anger. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the faithfulness of dear friends who love me enough to walk me through. John says that, that our life comes from Jesus. There's so many things that we worry about and that get in the way but the solution is so simple. Just come to him. Talk to him. Hear him. So we're going to have communion for you. In that moment, right now, you have a chance to talk with him and commune with him. Our ushers are going to dismiss you from the back row forward. And you're going to grab a piece of bread and a cup. Take that piece of bread. Eat it any time that you want. But hold the cup till the end. We'll take that together. And if you're in line or at watching online right now, either now or later on, um, grab something to eat, something to drink and to eat, and then take that with us. Can I pray for us? God, we hand over to you our hearts, hearts that are just, there feels like so much gets in the way from us hearing your voice. But he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so, Jesus, all the victory is yours. We hand over our fickle hearts to you. You can, are the only one who can make us alive. You, Lord Jesus, are faithful to us when we are not. Because you took all our anger and you paid for it on the cross. You took those vows that you know would kill us and you paid for it on the cross. You took all of our foolishness, all the times where the sin that would lead to death that we chose, you paid for that so that now we might have life. God, it's only because of you that we are saved. So we give you our hearts. We give you our kids. We give you our marriages. We give you our health. We give you our singleness. We give you our heartbreak. We give you the diagnosis that we're facing and the uncertainty our future brings. We give you our grandchildren and our grandchildren to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill this place with your spirit. 
And all God's people said, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, This is my body broken for you. Eat, remember me. So, brothers and sisters, when you eat that bread, know that he's with you and he hears you. The same manner after supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant which is in my blood. See, God's promise to you is that he's going to hear you and he's going to save you and he's going to redeem you. And that promise shall never be broken. So whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember and proclaim the goodness of Jesus until he comes again. Amen? So when you get the bread, eat it, but hold on to the cup, and then we'll take it together at the end. Come. As our uh, final people are getting communion, I want to encourage you, if you want to come across the street and pray today's sermon into your life, join us for table talk. We have custom gourmet coffee and breakfast burritos and a, on pigs on spits and four-star waiting dining experiences. But more importantly, we have Jesus and just a chance to really pray it into the fabric of our lives. I want to make sure that you have a get connected to our church. We love you. We're so grateful for you. Most importantly, I want you to know that you're absolutely loved. God hears you. He knows you and he wants you. There's nothing that you're going to tell him that will ever make him move a step away from you or shock him or be disappointed in you. He wants to hear it all. He wants to heal it all because you're his. You belong to him. He chose you. He knows it all. He's not going to be, he's not going to be like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, he knows it all. And he still wants you. He still loves you. He still chooses you. Because the blood of his son has washed you clean. So carefully, without spilling this grape juice on your neighbor or on the carpet, you can open the lid and let's take this together. The blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins. God, you are, you are doing a, a miraculous work in this church. You are leading us to green pastures where we are willing to listen to your voice and hear and follow you and obey because your will for us is good. And when we wander, Lord Jesus, you find us and bring us home. And when we are utterly lost, God's when you left the 99 to come just for me. How great is your mercy for us, Jesus. How great is your love for us. So we invite you deeper in. Save us and redeem us. Heal us. Moment by moment, bit by bit of our hearts, we surrender to you, Lord. You are so good to us. Just pray against all the enemy's plans to rob, steal, and destroy what you've done here today. I thank you for the amazing food that Barb's prepared for us that we get to eat. I pray, Jesus, your blessing upon all that is spoken and sung into the hearts of my friends here today. Grow us. Grow us, Jesus. 
And all God's people said, amen. Would you stand for the benediction? If you would like prayer, please come forward. Uh, Our prayer team would love to pray for you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and his delight in you and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's beloved forgiven children said, let's eat. Have a great day, y'all. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.